It's 2022. Do you know where your consumer is? The Channel Mastery Podcast is created for executives who are obsessed with knowing everything about their target consumers, because that's what unlocks the future success and impact of our brands and businesses today. Every week on this podcast, we dig deep to bring you what's working and what's not when it comes to winning the attention of and building loyalty with your target consumer. We've got a lot to share, so let's get to it. And thanks so much to Verde Brand Communications for being the presenting sponsor of the Channel Mastery Podcast. Let's do this. Welcome back, everyone, to Channel Mastery. We have a very special episode today. I'd like to reintroduce Ann Mazenga to the show, who is the co-CEO of OmniTalk Retail. Welcome back to the show, Ann. It is so great to have you here. Oh, Kristen, I'm so excited to be on with you again. We've had some fun times over the past year. I'm excited to be back. And there's so much for us to talk about as there is every time, I feel like. Yes. And uh, Chris Walton, who is your co-CEO at OmniTalk Retail, Ann and Chris were headliners at the 2022 Seattle Classic Executive Summit and Lifetime, who is a sponsor of this podcast, uh, as is Perkins Coie, were sponsors of that event. And we are getting ready to tee up new news around the 2023 event. Ann and I are recording this you know, toward the end of August. So keep in mind, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have some great announcements around that. But Ann and Chris were just fantastic there, helping our executives kind of understand the broader retail landscape and make it very relevant to outdoor recreation specialty. So tell us, Ann, because there are several newcomers, I'm sure, here today with us. Can you uh, share with us you, you know, a little bit more about you, you and Chris as co-CEOs yeah. and then OmniTalk Retail? And then yes, we'll get well, into the meat of it. Absolutely. Um, everyone should go to the summit. It was the most fun that Chris and I had. And we go to a lot of conferences. It was beautiful. Everyone should go. But Chris and I... So as you mentioned, Kristen, uh, we started Talk back in 2017. And we were both coming off of the Target Store of the Future project where Chris and I led a team to really think about what the future Target Store might look like. And that was... A way, way back when. So um, so throughout the, the years kind of building that project, we had started to do all kinds of research on you know what components made up that store, what was important about the future of the retail industry. And in that research, we kind of started doing OmniTalk um, as a way to kind of keep ourselves up to date on what was going on in the industry. Who are the players that we should be paying attention to? Who are the retailers who are getting it right? Um, who are the retailers that were getting it wrong? And why was it important that we learn from them and that the industry really talk about that? And our our core kind of focus at OmniTalk is really kind of speaking from the lens of having been retailers. We felt like there was kind of a, a gap in the market of, you know, there's pundits and journalists who are talking about the trends and technologies that are happening, but there was no one who had lived it, who was speaking from an actual retailer's perspective, who knew what it was like to try to roll out this technology or these new initiatives. And we we kind of take that approach as we analyze the top trends in retail and try to kind of put our like candid and humorous uh, approach on it to try to have some fun while we're doing it. But you can check out the podcast uh, at omnitalk.blog um, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's that's the best way to introduce yourself into the, the Omnitalk retail world. And literally, you do such a great job making sure we're paying attention to the right headlines, frankly. And I, what I mean by right headlines is like the most impactful 
headlines that literally are signaling what's about to happen. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> we so try. I really find so much value in that. And also, as Anne was saying, they're very, very funny. And you're publishing a ton of content. It's such an amazing resource. You've grown so fast. Um, yes. So I just want everyone listening here today to hop over to their website at omnitalk.blog and definitely subscribe to that podcast. It is a must listen. Thanks, Kristen. Yeah, we we try to keep it fresh and we try to try to include a lot of perspectives. Even even though we may disagree with some, we will uh, we'll still still include them in our weekly fast five roundup. So absolutely. So I have you here today as such a treasured resource for our executives tuning in and listening today in Outdoor Rec. So what we're here to talk about today is um, a little bit of a riff on what we did at the summer summit earlier in the year in April, where Chris and Ann got on stage live and talked about the most impactful retail headlines for the group of executives who were in the room. And so we're going to do a little bit of that today, but Ann has also done some research and has some really great ideas for you to research and execute around the inventory glut that we're dealing with and around softening consumer sentiment and really trying to like pop up above those and look at the consumer experience and the things we can control in a really creative way. So with that, this is also going to be a must listen. I can't wait to hear, Anne, like, what are you seeing out there? (laughs) Well, I think think the biggest concern right now, especially as we head into fourth quarter, is exactly what you mentioned, Kristen. We have a lot of retailers, even giant mass retailers like Target and Walmart, who are dealing with this glut of inventory that's come in over the course of the last several months. Um, And what do you do with that? And we're seeing two different approaches with Target and Walmart, for example. Target, you know, slashing prices, trying to clear out inventory to make room for holiday, which they know will be big for them. And Walmart kind of taking a different approach and saying, you know, we're going to just hold this inventory somewhere. Um, We look better to the street for doing so, uh, but we're going to try to figure out... We'll figure out later, kind of just like pushing the... Kicking the can down the road a little bit. And I think that what's important for the retailers in this audience to think about is how do you take this opportunity to really start to experiment with some new innovations? What what are you going to do with that product? You know, yes, you can slash it. You you have a difficult time doing that because of the brand love and advocacy around your product and trying to maintain this brand at a high standard. And I think one of the things that is a really smart approach for this audience is to start thinking about you know how can you how can you offload some of those goods, but uh, start to do that in an experimental way with something like a resale marketplace. I think this is a great opportunity to take that inventory and open it up to a new audience. I think we're seeing like Moose Jaw just started their like Mountain Steels, which they're like doing the similar thing. Like that product's still available on the moosejaw.com site, but they're also opening this like flash sale kind of site up so that people can enter into your brands at an earlier stage. Like you're getting that next level audience who might not be able to afford like the brand new top of the line gear but they're they're getting the opportunity through the resale marketplace or through like a warehousing, you know, second level, second tier marketplace and that helps the retailers kind of offload that product. So I think that's something that I would start to start to explore, you know, what options you might have in those areas and then how you start to um, to embrace like bringing resale onto your own site. Can you stand up the 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 facility on your website to bring in that next audience because i think that's really where this is 
there's a big opportunity here for the retailers. Absolutely. And it's so much cleaner in terms of like preserving the profile of your brand and how hard our space works to like have, you know, values aligned with their consumers. But let's also remember, we just accrued a huge amount (laughs) of consumers through COVID. And this is a really great way, I think, to keep them interested. Of course, we don't want to like train people to look for discounts. But as you said, it's such a great portal of entry for like a newcomer consumer that may really want to engage with our brands, but hasn't really felt like they can now that they're kind of getting into their life with COVID and beyond the lockdown. Totally. And it doesn't even have to be on your your brand's own site. Like we're seeing some retailers even, especially in the luxury marketplace, where they're experimenting with like going on third-party marketplaces. They're going on Poshmark. They're going on Depop. And they're creating like, we have this inventory. What happens if we just put it on this site and see what happens? Like you're you're just exposing yourself to brand new audiences, which I don't think can ever be a bad thing. It's like, as long as you're maintaining a certain level of the brand, you're getting what you need to get out of it. And you're you're able to be flexible and nimble enough to maybe allocate some resources or a couple team members into this experiment. You'll very quickly be able to learn like, yes, this is going to work for us or no, this is not going to work for us. This is too much effort and not enough reward. Um, but I think it's it's worth the experimentation. And that's going to be like a critical component of how you're approaching your strategy with this flood of inventory. And that, again, experimentation and failure is okay. And don't just look to what worked in the past, such as huge promotions and liquidation. Um, I do think that they're that the consumer today, everything that we're seeing is is sitting and waiting and looking for deals. Like they're being totally. trained by some of the larger retailers out there. But let's get into some of your concepts that we were discussing around, you know, there might be a way to actually um make this make the experience the consumer can have so empowering mm-hmm. around what you're doing right now in your business. And I'd love some, you for you to share some of the ideas that you have there because it's it's so much more than them looking for a deal. Like there's a whole experience you can offer if you're really open-minded to like rethinking the ecosystem out there. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a great example, Kristen. And I don't think this is going away, to be honest. I mean, Amazon is setting the new retail holiday calendar. Let's be honest. Like they can decide at any point in time throughout the year whether or not they want to throw a prime day on the calendar. And brands either have to jump on board and try to you know, offer discounts that are similar or give them another place to look and and customers are looking for that too like they they're going to the alternative websites on that day and seeing what offer are you going to I do want to still support my local retailer but I, are you going to match Amazon like it's not possible the price wars are a race to the bottom so i think brands need to really be focused on what's my strength as a brand what can i offer that Amazon cannot. And in many cases, especially with specialty brands, that's going to be your connection to your customer. It's going to be bringing new customers on board and figuring out how you start to you know, graduate them into becoming an advocate of your brand and depending on your brand for re-upping you know, gear purchases every year. And, and really figuring out like, is it is it other part components of it? Is it, you know, your follow-up after the purchase that is important. I mean, at the summit last year, we had Taxa who was talking about like their most important communication with the customer is the FaceTime. You know, like they were using FaceTime during the pandemic to do a tour of the the habitats. That's that's like the engagement that you get with that brand that you can't get anywhere else. Like no, even as with all the tech that Amazon can bring, no one's going to be able to offer you that. 
And if you are thinking about different points of entry or earlier points of entry, either, you know, can you facilitate resale? Can you facilitate rentals? Or how can you grab an audience that just gets a taste of that? But then you know, sees what that unlocks. It's not just about the the thing that you're purchasing. It's about the total experience that you can provide with that purchase. That I think is really important for the brands listening to to focus on, especially when we're we see deal hungry customers because that's not going away. And and price price wars, like I said, are a race to the bottom. No one's going to win on that. Oh, that is such a great analogy. Um, and nobody wants to win that. That's just so, right. so true. Right. Um, and you and Chris and you, you know, also with your family, you've done some really interesting travel of late that I've been following on your channel. Yeah. And you've been really like discovering some amazing experiences that I think also um, mirror this uh, ecosystem, like kind of shakeup that we're talking yes. about. Uh, non-traditional ways of really looking at creating an experience, things you maybe never would have thought to do in the past or might have been taboo. So maybe share a few of those experiences with us because they are definitely attainable to this executive audience. Yeah. So I think one of the first things that we saw this summer that kind of rocked our our retail world was in Madrid. Uh, We had an opportunity to go shoot a video, which you can find on our YouTube channel, of the Zara flagship store that they just opened. And if anyone listening is a Zara shopper, the experience so far is not great. The product, great. The experience, riddled with with issues, especially throughout the pandemic. And what we saw at that flagship store at Zara in Madrid was the best, single best omni-channel shopping experience that I've seen in my entire time researching and studying this topic. Now that's saying something. It is saying something. And I, I highly encourage you know you to go out and see this concept. I have a feeling that Zara will be rolling this out to more locations. But I think the core components of that experience are, you know, they eliminated the key friction points for customers. One of them being lines. Zara is notorious for hour-long lines for checkout. The way that they've kind of solved for that, they are, have introduced scan and go in their stores. So you no wow. longer have to wait in line. You can scan products with your mobile device, check yourself out, you bag your item, you're good to go. They've implemented self-checkout, which again, super simple. They're, all, all of the product in that store is RFID tagged. So you just dump it in a bin. It quickly shows up on the computer screen. Like This is everything that you purchase. You tap your payment and you're on the road. Um, the other opportunity that they have opened up uh, is order ahead. So we were, lots of your listeners are familiar with buy online, pick up and store. But Zara actually partnered with a company called Cleveron and they built a parcel robot into the infrastructure of the store. And it was incredible, Kristen. I mean, young and old, every single person, this store has only been open for three months and we could barely shoot it because people were coming up so frequently and scanning this QR code. And then in seconds, they get their package. They can recycle the package right there. So they have a like opening station. You can recycle the material, the package that it came in right in the a slot right next to it. You can you know see if you want to keep it. And right then and there, either walk away and head out the store or you can try it on. You can you know return it if you need to. There's all these options amazing. to facilitate that experience with zero lines. Um, and so I think it's it's thinking about things like that, investing in that sort of store, omni-channel store experience that Chris and I, we left there and we're like, why every apparel retailer, any any retailer who can RFID tag their products, 
why they are not doing this is beyond us. Like this is something that you should be able to just flip the switch and turn on, especially scan and go shopping. I mean, thinking about like how you give your your customers the ability to help themselves and really focusing on that when they want that option. And then, you know, how you're you're then allowing your sales teams to really support the bigger questions, the help finding gear, the support in finding the right size, the right fit, or you know, even like in the case of some of the outdoor retailers, being able to suggest where you go next, you know, or what your next trip is going to be, and like really making those connections with consumers who want who are coming to your store for that experience. So, in hundred percent, would go all in on on what Zara is doing there. And overall, I think the underlying thing there is investments in inventory accuracy. So whether it's RFID or it's another system that you're putting in place, that is going to help bolster every single experience that you're going to be providing your customer you know, in 2023 and beyond. So that is amazing. First and foremost, I have to say, when you're looking at something like that against the backdrop of a specialty run store, or specialty outdoor store, or even like snow sports, and you think about the 80-20 of your employees, right? Yep. Like it's like it's almost like the model that um I know was talked about a lot with some of the subscription boxes and stylists, where like you it, it would work if you had the technology and a human. Yep. Now we're talking about that formula within specialty outdoor, within specialty bike, et cetera. And ultimately it should. These, these resources and investments should enable you to pay for the people who will actually do a great job with yes. that advice on the trip planning or gear selection, et cetera. I mean, nobody can say, listening to this, that you know we can justify higher wages by like looking at 25% of someone's time at a cash register, but we right. can if they're there to really enhance a consumer's experience. And like they're going to come to the store anyway because it's easy and convenient and fast for them. So right. I just love this concept so much. And especially like as more and more brands are trying to reach climate goals, they mm-hmm. kind of have to be looking at something like this. So Lifetime Sea Otter Classic Summit 2023 is joining Faraday Brand Communications as our sponsor for this new year. The goal is to deliver the solutions and best-in-class resources presented to executives in the outdoor recreation industries at the summit to you every week on the Channel Mastery Podcast. And we couldn't be more excited to exceed your expectations on that goal every week. So at the summit earlier this year in April 2022... Right before the Sea Otter Classic, we gathered over 200 executive leaders from the outdoor, bike, endurance, and vehicle-supported adventure markets for two days of business intelligence, specialty market resourcing, and peer networking. It was awesome because it happened right before the Sea Otter Classic, which literally had about 80,000 consumers there. And guess how many people camped at the Sea Otter for multiple nights? Almost 7,000. Okay, this is a a very special consumer event. And to have this right before it is huge. We're going to share all the details on the 2023 summit in a very uh, near-term episode here. And watch, uh, we'll be announcing things from a marketing standpoint. But I just wanted to make sure and thank Lifetime and Verde Brand Communications. Thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. And I think, Kristen, you bring up such a good point. Like, so often, you know, we cover all kinds of stores, scan and go stores, self checkouts, you know, checkout free stores. And the first thing that, you know, people who are not familiar with the technology say is like, well, you're replacing humans. I still want a human. And I think that 
you bring up such a good point of like, how are you going to best allocate the store resources that you have? And in most cases, the customer, especially with all the other experiences that they're going to be having at Amazon stores, at, you know, Targets, at Walmarts, like all of these other companies are investing in creating a help yourself kind of mentality so you can get in and out. Like, they're going to be expecting that that's kind of system wide. They're not going to they're not going to be like expecting that, you know, for every single transaction, you don't always need to have a staff member, but when you can really focus that staff member on the post purchase, the pre-purchase like education, like that's where you really want to use your resources and I think that that's technology that we're seeing that's being that's successful is helping and augmenting that experience. It's not replacing Absolutely. So that leads us so perfectly into what I wanted to ask you about next, which is your experience at Fleet Feet in Chicago recently. Yeah. So the next thing that I've been a huge advocate on this this past year, it started when I did uh, Fit Matches 3D scanning at the Savage by Fenty store in Las Vegas, uh, where an associate takes a 3D uh, view of my body. They just kind of go around your body with an iPhone and they create a 3D avatar of my body and then fit me to the best uh, bras that are in all kinds of sizes, which as as you know, as a bra shopper can vary from <laughs> yes. brand to brand. Um, so we saw another example of this recently at Fleet Feet in Chicago, which you mentioned, where... Uh, they are using a technology from a company called Volumental. And that technology is just a, a, a pad on the floor, a very small pad. And in eight seconds, it allows the customer to get a 3D view of your foot, the volume of your foot. So it's not the typical running shoe experience where you're running on a treadmill, you get a gait analysis, you have somebody who you know, maybe has worked at the running store for a long time, but is still kind of making a guess. And the person's not really sure like whether or not this is the right fit. It's not really solving the problem. It's not really getting you to the right pair of running shoes faster. And what this tool is now allowed is in eight seconds, your associate now has the ability to share a screen with the customer. And you're looking, you're spinning around this 3D model of your foot. And you're able to see like, this is what I'm talking about when I say that you have a high instep. This is the right shoe based on you know the millions of scans that we've done at feet of other feet. This is what shoes we think are going to be right for you. And so your associate, whether they're on their first day on the job or they're, they've been there for 25 years, they can now use that to augment their own you know, suggestions and pull the right shoes for this customer and allows them to do all kinds of upselling. So we were just covering the volumental, like the, the scan. But then you have like uh, specific insoles that can be 3D printed now to this foot scan. I mean, there's all kinds of other things that this unlocks that Fleet Feet's really been able to take advantage of. And without a doubt, you know, we, Chris and I both got new running shoes after this experience and they are the most perfectly fitting shoe I've ever had in my life. And that was not possible before without this kind of technology. And this is the kind of thing too, where you start with a small investment, it's improving the in-store experience, it's giving your associates a tool to help sell. Um, it's it's very clear to understand for the customer, but then you're also allowing customers to start to get products on your shelves in size me. It's no longer, I'm a size 10, I have a high arch, 
It's what shoe is size and Mazinga. Like I can now go in and and go to Fleet Feet and find that out and know with a high degree of confidence that with the human element, the associate element, and this technology, I'm going to be making the most out of that trip to that store and every purchase I make going forward, whether it's online or in the store. That's amazing. And does it also carry into kind of a way to nurture that consumer for retailers who you know 100%. select to do that? That's great. Hundred percent. I mean, that's you give them your email, and now you know you've companies are paying how much money for a customer acquisition. Now I've given you my email because you're giving me a valuable resource. Right. I no longer have to go in and do the hour long trial process. Like you know what my foot looks like. You know what we did last time. Like what what do you recommend now? It's six months later, and I need a new pair of shoes. Well, and let's also just state for Captain Obvious purposes, nobody going through that having that wow experience is like, I want the lowest price shoe, please. Right. That's a, <laughs> that's a huge component. But I think that that's going to become more important again, Kristen. Like as we start to see Amazon using this, I mean, they're already using this technology. They're continuing to roll out Amazon style. So that it's going to create this expectation for the customer. And it needs to. For the technology to be successful, I'm going to need to be able to use that scan of my body, whether I'm shopping at REI, I'm shopping at Amazon, or I'm shopping at Fleet Feet. Like you really want to have that full picture and how can companies leverage that sort of experience? One is a loyalty play and two, you know, just as a way to provide the most optimal experience for the customer and saving me as the retailer time, resources, returns of that product. Like there's there's just it's a win-win for everybody. It is. And you guys do such an amazing job. Um, I think pulling out the best in technology and sharing it with your audience. Because I, I do know there are a lot of um, <clears throat> brands that we work with and executives listening today who count on retail partners, but they're also their own retailers. I mean, yes. all brands are on some level, but some of them are are investing in more stores and trying to really drive that experience more. So really, I invite you to check out the work that Ann and Chris do because they make it... I think that you're just sort of... Um, taking the mystery out of what you should be looking at. Yeah. Oftentimes, like we're just so busy. We have people calling and trying to sell us things. Like I like that you explain it from the consumer's point of view and it kind of like reverse engineers its way back into retail, into the brand through that consumer perspective, which I think is huge. Right. Yeah. That's important. It's got to start with the consumer first (laughs) and work backwards. Yeah. Even if the consumer is so tough to pin down right now, there are things we know are not going to go away. They want to belong. They mm-hmm. want to feel like, oh, this brand knows me. I, I, the, you know, like you said, I just had this great experience. Like that loyalty is real, and it's right. not going away when we right. do a great job with it. Um, and just to kind of, uh, I think it's also important because of Amazon continuing to train our con- our consumer. Let's talk a little bit more about one additional idea that you have that we can't leave behind, um, which is your lockers concept. Because again, this is it's really trying to really disrupt the ecosystem that the consumers in around your retailers and brands. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this at the summit, Kristen. Um, Best Buy started doing 24-7 lockers that were actually built in. They cut a hole in their store to build these rear-fed lockers in. And that was really to facilitate a 24-7 experience for the Best Buy customer. Um, again, helping customers help themselves is a key theme going forward. So if yep. I do know exactly what I want, I just want to go pick up my charger and and it's 11 o'clock and I'm on the way home from the airport. Like I, I want to be able to do that on the way home, get that done. 
then allowing for the the associates in the store to focus on the people that need to come in and need to buy a new TV or computer or like really need your time and attention. And I think where we're starting to seeing this take off, Verizon just launched lockers for their stores. We're starting to see this become more and more of a trend because one, it's really easy with a lot of the locker partners that are out there to start small. I mean, you can have six lockers outside of your store and start there and see you know how that what kind of traffic you're seeing, who what, who it's bringing into the store. Yes, they're there to pick something up out of a locker, but it might like have them come in and, and purchase or pick up a couple of things. Um, and it's easy to then build that up. So if you need to add, you know, two more scores of lockers, you've got two more banks of lockers. That's that's something that you can kind of build up and scale really simply. And I think we're we're also starting to see this evolve, which is really cool, is the in facilitating peer-to-peer exchange. So um, in there's a company called Cleveron who I mentioned earlier did the the parcel robot in the Zara store. In Estonia, they've also built up these peer-to-peer lockers. So instead of just being a place where you would say, you know, it's outside of your Fleet Feet store, instead of picking up my Fleet Feet shoe that I've ordered that I don't have to try on again because I know because I use personalization technology is going to fit me, instead of just going there to pick that up, you can also start to think about facilitating peer-to-peer transactions in these lockers. So what I mean is like you you belong to a run club on Facebook, you know, you find something, you find a, a an accessory, a running accessory, a water bottle or a fanny pack that you want to you want to buy. Now, instead of me having to go to wherever 50 miles away to pick up that that pack from that customer, now you can start to think about leveraging the lockers that are in front of your store as a place for your community to do that peer-to-peer transaction. So I can now put that water bottle in the locker. Somebody else just comes, scans a QR code, the locker pops open. They get that. And then I go into Fleet Feet and get socks and get the other things that I, I'm there to get or pick up a purchase already. So it's it's really thinking about, again, what, what technology, what assets you're investing in, and then how much opportunity do you have once that, that, that road is built? How many more cars can you put on it? Like What, what other uses can you get out of that, that technology or that road that you've, you've set up? And I think that's one way that you know, it's so simple for retailers to just test out, then be able to scale quickly if it's working for your customers. I that, that is something I guarantee you a lot of people are not thinking about when they're making the you know consideration and, and looking at these purchases. And again, it's looking at how your consumers utilizing their channels today already and right. how you can tap into that and, and start to be in front of them as a solution that may or may not involve like a purchase from you, but it will certainly build loyalty and trust with you. Right, exactly. And and just that community element again, like leaning into what people are looking to you for. Like a lot of the the listeners today, you know, you have that those advocates who love to interact with your brand. Like how much more can you do to help serve them, to get them to come to your store even if they're not, you know, in the mood to purchase something? Like are you creating that place that they want to keep coming back to and how do you facilitate that? I love it. These are all Fabulous ideas. And this is just one morning looking into Anne's brain, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Be sure you join them. I mean, it's multiple times a week that they're producing content, but I would definitely say a great hub is on LinkedIn. And I'll put all of the links uh, as I always do in the show notes for this episode. But is there anything else before we wrap up today that you might want to talk about that um, our our audience might want to Hear from yeah, you. you know, Kristen, we just did an interview last week with uh, a company called Alvier, 
And Yuval Brisker is their CEO. And he was talking about this concept that Chris and I have kind of been interested in for the last six months since, since we got turned on to the company in the first place. And that is retailers acting as banks, which sounds super complicated. But I think the best example of how I can describe this and the real like light bulb moment for me was thinking about the Starbucks card and how millions of people have the Starbucks app or card you're preloading money onto that card and it does nothing for you like you get the reward of you know a free drink every so many points but really like we we're funding Starbucks as customers and we get no advantage from doing that and so this concept at Alvier is like thinking about you as a retailer you have these loyal advocates of your brand they're already spending money with you especially when they you know you know that they're they've got some loyalty and you can give them whether it's a discount or whether it's rewards points you can give them something for kind of preloading money into an account just like you would a Starbucks card but now the retailers who are working with Alvier and with other companies like Alvier they're able to really act as a bank in this case so you're putting money into let's say your REI account um, you've got $100 in there. And now REI could act as the bank. So instead of just being able to spend that $100 at REI, now you can spend that money at REI and get your rewards there. But you can also use that same card to shop at the grocery store, to shop at you know your Target or Walmart to get your essentials and stock up. And you can shop at REI and you're getting the benefit not only of the rewards that you were getting before, but you're also getting interest paid on that money that you're having or you're you're getting other benefits that REI can offer you and it's giving them a brand new source of revenue which I I say now my theme for the last few months is it's not enough to just be a retailer anymore you got to start thinking of ways to bring in new sources of revenue and this was a really cool way I think that some retailers are starting to think about how to do that but it's not a credit card no it's not a credit card it's just you know, it's it's really it's really thinking about like preloading preloading funds into with that 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 retailer who That's essentially awesome. now is acting just as you know you can now spend those funds wherever and however you want, but you're maximizing the reward and the loyalty that you're able to get from that relationship with that retailer. I could think of so many cool ways to do something like use something like that. That's fantastic. Yeah, and there is an episode. Or a, a video that you did recently on that that I'll make sure I put in the yes. in the show notes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. You you guys have really been upping the number and quality. I mean, you've always done top quality, but the sheer volume of really well thought out content that you're putting out there on um, store tours and whatnot is is incredible. Can you talk a little bit about kind of your content focus now and where our audience can find you? Yeah, I mean, I think based on the things that we've talked about today, our focus for this next year is really going to be getting out there and seeing the tests that retailers are doing so that, you know, it's not just talking about them, but like, what does it feel like to be in the store? How are people really interacting with this once it's out in the world instead of just, you know, this is a new concept, let's put it out there, let's talk about the pros and cons and then, you know, let it sit. We've been focusing on like really going out to these stores ourselves really trying to understand what customers' experiences are going to be. And more importantly, how the retailers are going to be able to execute a concept like that in their their store and what the what the puts and takes are of, of that implementation and scaling it as well. That's awesome. That is truly a one-of-a-kind resource. 
it it is. is. It's, it requires a lot of time, but uh, but of all the the tours that we've done from Madrid to Chicago, the last couple of years, uh, it's been really rewarding, and that's what our our listeners and and viewers are saying is is important to them. So we're going to keep doing it. That's awesome. Well, I just I applaud how much you've grown, how close you are with your listener and audience. You really stay so close and like provide things that we need to look around the corners and make educated guesses as we're out there. Just literally, we're having to change so much and like handle risk mitigation right along the way. And what you all are providing is helping so much with that. So I just can't emphasize enough how important it is to check out Ann and Chris's channel at omnitalk.blog. Every, that's a hub for everything. You can find yes. what you need there. And then especially check out their LinkedIn. They're exceptional yes. on LinkedIn. So thank you so much. It was an honor to have you on here thank today. You. I learned so much. I just Thanks. literally like what's in your brain is amazing. <laughs> and I just can't wait to have you back on the show. And and I know, I know we want to have you back at the summit in 2023. Yes. You all just really crushed it out there. <laughs> oh, well, yes. It was, like I said, it was truly one of the best uh, organized and, and informational experiences, especially that group of people. I mean, I think that's a really important thing. There's, there's definitely a sense of community there. Um, it's not, you know, I think a lot of the other conferences, it's like, who are you and where, and are you my friend or foe? And Uh and this place was like, no, we all just, we got, let's solve the problems together. And let's, thanks for getting everybody in a room so we can do it and learn. And I love that about, about that summit. Me too. I can't wait. I can't wait to get out there again. So thank you again, Anne. Um, I really look forward to having you back on. And again, thank you and Chris for all you do. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you so much for listening to the Channel Mastery Podcast. Please give us a thumbs up if you like what you hear, share it with a colleague or friend, and also make sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. 